Father God in heaven, we have come this morning to adore your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, please be exalted in this place. Holy Spirit, draw our hearts close to you this morning. Let us draw nigh to you and you will draw near to us. Lord, we, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, that um, Christmas, it's not about shopping. It's not about all the festivities. It's about you bringing grace to earth. You bringing salvation. Lord, we love you. And we're forever grateful to you, Lord, that you rescued us. You've redeemed us. You, you've purchased us with your precious blood. And you bought us back from the domain of darkness and Satan. And you brought us into your glorious light. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for that now, Lord. Bring the truth of grace home to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. All God's people said, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You may have a seat. Please turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. This morning we are studying... Uh, Four verses, and I'm going to go ahead and read them to you, and uh, continuing my theme of Christmas messages for the month of December as we prepare our hearts to celebrate on Christmas Day the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, you can find it in your Bibles or you can read it up on the screen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word as we study it this morning. Father, I pray that you uh, help us to embrace grace. Help us to understand grace. Help us to understand what it is and what it means to our lives and how it's, it's an amazing deal. It's mind-blowing. It's awesome when we rightly understand the biblical definition of grace. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Amen. So this week, as I was preparing, the theme of my teachings for the month of December has been the treasure of Christmas. So this week, I, I began the beginning of the week, and I was kind of thinking about going toward grace and truth. And, and so I started doing a little research, and I discovered this week that the word grace is only used four times in the Gospel of John. Check it out when you get a chance. Go to Bible Gateway, do a keyword search for uh, grace. And in the entire Gospel of John, the, the grace is only used four times, and it's all in this one text of these, these four verses. This is the only place that grace is used. So the title of my message this morning is, as we study these verses right here, The Treasure of Christmas, Grace for You. Many times people think about Christmas, and they think about Jesus, and they think about religion, and they think about tradition. But what is the true meaning of Christmas? What, what does God want us to encounter in this life? 
And what God wants you to encounter, Christian, even after you get saved, yes, uh, he wants you to experience grace. He wants the sinner to experience the grace that saves and redeems and forgives and makes a new creation in Christ. But he also wants us Christians to live daily lives filled with God's grace. So I was working on this sermon every single day this week. And Monday, I wrote out a statement. I was like, okay, what, what do I want to teach the church this Sunday? And this, this statement kept evolving all week as I was studying. But at the end of this teaching, this is the statement that I created myself that I want you to go home with. And that it is this. The treasure of Christmas is grace for you. And let me define that. Regardless of your past failures and sin, grace will bring you into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Grace will deliver you from the dominion of sin and enable you to leave the past behind. Grace will empower you to move forward and live a life that is blessed and pleasing to God. God wants us to experience grace. One of the things that drew me to Calvary Chapel 2005, 2006 was just the emphasis on grace. It was the emphasis on the exposition of Scripture, the emphasis of the spirit-filled life, and Chuck Smith's emphasis on grace and how he taught how grace can turn everything around. And that is so true. Grace is amazing. And wherever you're at on the spectrum, grace can turn your life around and can set you free from sin, can set you free from the dominion of darkness, and can liberate you. And for the unbeliever and for the Christian, you can continue throughout this life and experience God's grace in everyday life. So are you ready to jump into it? Let's do it. John chapter 1, starting with verse 14. We're going to cut this verse in half. Verse 14 says, The Word, and the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Before we can talk about grace in our text here, we have to talk about what made grace possible. John chapter 1, verse 14, uh, contains one of the greatest theological truths in all of Scripture. What do we call this? This is the cornerstone text of what we call the incarnation. You say, Pastor David, what is the, what is the incarnation? It's one of the most profound mysteries in all of Scripture. That God stepped out of eternity and into time and he wrapped himself in flesh into a human body. And that human body, that person is the Lord Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. That was God coming into this world, wrapping himself in flesh so that he could reveal to us God's amazing grace. It's a mystery. It's powerful when you think about it. That deity would traverse from eternity into time. There's, it creates all kinds of questions. It's a mystery. It's amazing to think about. Wayne Grudem says this. It is by far the most amazing miracle in the whole Bible. Far more amazing than the resurrection and more amazing than the creation of the universe. The fact that the infinite, omnipotent, eternal Son of God could become man and join himself to human nature forever. Because after the Lord Jesus Christ wrapped himself in flesh, 
He still has that body, except that body today is a glorified body in heaven above. And he says, so that the infinite God became one person with finite man, it will remain for eternity the most profound mystery in all the universe. No, no, no um, amount of writings or books can fully comprehend the incarnation that God became flesh. But it's the truth of Scripture. It's the truth of the Bible. It's why it's a supernatural book. Because it belongs to a supernatural God who stepped out of eternity and ends of time. John calls him, uh, in verse 14, which he also, I'm going to refer back to verse 1, John calls Jesus the word. The word, that the Greek word is logos. It means a word, a speech, or revelation. Look at John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Let's break that down into three parts. First, it says the word was with God, talking about the Logos, talking about Jesus, meaning he was co-eternal with the Father. And then the middle part of the verse says the word was God. In other words, Jesus is the eternal existing God. And in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. In other words, Jesus was there at creation. That's hard to get our minds wrapped around. But look at who we're talking about. We're talking about God. That we're talking about God and how amazing he is. But uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the exact agent and the expression of who God is. He is the logos. He is the word that's been manifested to us. Everything we need to know about life and godliness you find the answer in Jesus. You find the answer in his word because he is the revelation of everything that is in our life. Why did Jesus come to this earth? Let's look at the second half of verse 14. It says, And we saw his glory, the glory is of the only begotten from the Father. Here it is where I'm dialing into grace, full of grace and truth. Family, this is the treasure of Christmas. This is the treasure of Christmas, that Jesus, the eternal God, came to show us, what does the text say? Grace and truth. But this morning, I want to focus on grace. I want to focus on grace. What is grace? If somebody came to you and said, explain to me what grace is, what kind of definition would you give them? How would you explain God's Grace. Grace, the Greek word is, is charis. It means God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's love. Grace is God's kindness. Grace is God's goodwill. God, grace is God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's favor. His blessing, God's blessing directed towards us through the logos. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard one preacher say one time, grace, the acronym grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay? God's blessings come to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation, our healing, the blessing on our life, it all comes through Jesus. You cannot experience God's grace apart from Christ. It is 
in Christ. It is in Jesus. Now, some people struggle with grace. I know some people, because of their past, because of the things that they've experienced in life, they struggle in their mind with the concept of God's grace. Think about the convicted criminal on death row. Think about the prostitute who sells her body. Think about the drug addict that's addicted to drugs. Or maybe it's you this morning. Maybe you've lived a dark past. Maybe you have wrecked your life by the choices you've made. Maybe you have committed many grievous sins. It's likely you and that person have convinced yourself that God does not love you and that redemption is impossible because of the life that you have lived. Friend, this is the treasure of Christmas. The treasure of Christmas is for you. It's for the drug addict. It's for the prostitute. It's for the sinner. Grace. Grace can change your heart. And grace can change and turn your life around. God's grace specializes in taking broken lives and turning them into trophies of grace. But here's how you got to experience grace. You've got to come to Jesus. Grace comes exclusively through Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus invites you and he invites the world to come to him. And he will get us out of the mess that we're in. God specializes in taking people who are at their end of their rope and turning their life around. You say, Pastor David, you don't understand my life. You don't understand where I've been. You don't understand the things I've done. There's no way I deserve grace after everything that I've done. You're right. You don't deserve grace. None of us deserve grace. That's why it's called grace. Because it's undeserved merit and favor that God gives to us because of his love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We deserve judgment because of our rebellion and our deliberate rebellion and fight against God. But God shows us grace and mercy through the cross. And we call it a grace. Better yet, amazing grace. Let's continue. Verse 15 says, John testified about him. And he cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Basically, John the Baptist, he had a revelation of who Jesus was. He had a revelation that he was eternal God, that he was coming into this world to provide salvation. And what does John the Baptist say? The same thing that you and I should say, don't look to me. Don't look to Pastor David for grace. Don't look to Calvary Chapel for grace. Look to God for grace. We, me in and of myself, you in and of yourself, we have nothing to offer. We tell the world, look to Jesus because he is the Logos and he is by far greater. He is superior and he has everything you need. John the Baptist nails it here. He said, man, there's one greater. 
And, and that's what we do at church. We point people to Jesus. We point people to grace. And then the Holy Spirit comes and changes your heart and changes your life. You know, it's very important, you know, biblical counseling and, and discipleship and, and helping people get through difficulties in life. But the, the ultimate way that you get through any difficulty, the, only, the ultimate way you get saved, and then the ultimate way you, you get through any difficulty in life is through Jesus. It's through Christ. You focus your heart, you focus your life on him, friends and family, you will make it. You will make it. But you got to get gritty. You got to get tough. You know, you, you got to put the shell back on. And you, and you got to press forward and fight through the difficulties. And God will see you through, through grace, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16 says, uh, For of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. He uses that word grace twice in this verse. You know, God wants to show you grace. But before you can experience and receive the, I like the word he uses in verse 16, the fullness. Before you can receive and experience the fullness of God's grace, we need to have an understanding, and you need to have an understanding of why we need grace. If you don't understand why you need grace, you will trample grace. And that is a sin. But once you understand why you need grace, then you will love grace. So why do we need grace? Let's look to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, tells us why we need grace. Specifically, this is before you come to Christ, the sinner. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says, And you were dead... In your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That is a perfect description of Pastor David's life before Jesus. When I read this verse, when I read this passage, I have flashbacks to my life before Christ. And it tells us here that sinners, the world, the lost, need grace. Why? Because they're one, they are dead in their sin. They are dead in their sin. Inside, they're a spiritual corpse. And there's no life. There's no spiritual life in them. Why? Because of the fall. Because of the sin. Because of our rebellion. They are dead inside. And they need to be awakened how are they awakened? By the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works when hearts and minds hear the word of God. And they hear that tugging. They feel that pulling on their hearts. And they answer and they say, yes, Lord. I understand that I am lost. I understand that I'm a dead corpse. Will you please bring me back to life? 
And when you do that, God's grace steps in and brings you back to life. So a sinner needs grace because they're dead in their sin. It says a sinner needs grace because they're following the course of this world. This world is heading, the ungodly world, the unbiblical world is heading towards destruction. It's being led by the prince of the power of the air, Satan, in darkness. The world is a, um, a slave to their lust. They're a slave to their desires of the flesh. Before I was, before I was in Christ, I, I had no fight in me. I wanted to live in darkness. I wanted to pursue the things of God. But when the Holy Spirit brought me back to life and revived my heart, he gave me the ability to fight the good fight and crucify the desires of the flesh and not become a slave to the lust and desires of the world. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 3, it says that, uh, he says, we were by nature children of wrath, meaning that we were enemies of God before we came to Christ. Because God is holy and we are not. So what did God do to bridge that gap? What did God do so his wrath could be removed? So that our desires for lust and flesh could be removed? So that we would no longer follow the course of this world and Satan? So that we could be brought back to life and no longer be a spiritual corpse? What did he do for us? It's what we're celebrating at Christmas. Grace. God's grace. Man comes into this world a rebel and a sinner, guilty of breaking God's law, and he's heading for judgment. But God offers grace. How does the sinner experience grace? Just go to church. Just go to a priest and confess your stuff in a box. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible answers how we experience grace. Look at verse 12 of this same chapter, John 1.12. It says, for as many as what? Received him. That's the word of the Lord. God has spoken. He says they, they must receive him. To as many as received him. To them, who is them? Those who received him. He gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. What does it mean? to receive Christ. What does it mean to believe on his name? First off, it means by the grace of God and by the power of the Spirit, we turn from sin. We turn from the old life. It means to receive him and believe him means you open your heart and you invite him in. To receive him and believe him means you, you place your trust firmly in Jesus Christ for your salvation. It's in Christ in Christ alone. It's called being born again. Have you been born again? Are you trusting in Christ? This is the treasure of Christmas. This grace, uh, it cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. There's no wheeling and dealing with God. There's nothing that you can give him in exchange for his grace. All you can do is receive it. As a free gift. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And that is not of yourself. It is what? A gift of God. It's the gift of God. Not, look here, look at verse 9. My legalistic friends, people that think you got to work your way, look at verse 9. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. If God could save us by anything that we could do, it would rob him of his glory. Grace comes to us not through good works, not through good deeds. It is a gift. It is 100% God. It is 100% God's grace. You and I get no credit. All the glory goes to Christ. And if you are not born again, grace is waiting for you at the cross. Have you gone to the cross to experience God's grace? Have you gone there to pour your heart out in repentance and faith in Christ? When you bow by faith at the cross in your heart, God lavishes you with his grace, his love, and his mercy. That's what's waiting for the sinner at the cross. He welcomes them to come to the cross. He wants them to come to the cross. God wants them to be reconciled. He doesn't want them to be ashamed of their past. He wants them to bring it to his throne of grace so they can experience this powerful thing called grace. Now, you may be thinking, well, grace, that's for the sinner, but how about for us? Grace is also for the Christian even after they get saved. Grace is not only for sinners, but Christians need grace also. A common mistake believers make is this. They start off in grace, and over time, they get legalistic. They get religious, and they get filled with tradition. And God doesn't want you to be filled with legalism, with religion and tradition. He wants you to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And he wants you to be filled with the grace of God. God wants us to walk in grace, family. He wants us to walk in this thing that we're studying this morning called grace. The Christian life begins with grace. It continues in grace. And the day we step into eternity, we finish strong in grace. Okay? We need to walk in grace. We'll walk in God's truth. Walk in God's grace. And the same grace that God demonstrates towards us and our walk with him, we need to demonstrate that walk to the world around us. Uh, many of you guys know that Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, he, he was a big proponent on preaching on grace. One of the foundations of the Calvary Chapel movement is, is their being established in the grace of God. I want to give you a quote from Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith says, and I quote, when grace comes, it transforms our life into something beautiful. You want your life to be something beautiful? Focus on the grace of God. Pastor Chuck continues, true grace flows from the heart of the Father through the love of Jesus Christ. To know that God is for you and that he loves you is God's grace. It's the confidence that God's grace brings. It is the greatest source of security you will ever know. That is grace. And that is what makes life worth living. We need to be reminded of grace. 
We need to be walking in grace. And grace is the truth of Christmas. This passage here is, is really the cornerstone passage of the incarnation. And, and, you know, John's gospel doesn't give us the details like Matthew and Luke does of the birth of Jesus. John goes directly to the source. He goes directly to eternity. So this is the Christmas passage of John. And within this Christmas passage in John chapter 1, we see the, the author of John emphasizing grace, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, all in this one section. And he does not repeat the word grace throughout the rest of the Gospel of John. There's a strong connection here in our text that we're studying this morning of grace and Christmas. The reason for Christmas is the incarnation. And through the incarnation, God brings us grace. Let's walk in grace. Verse 17, our final verse this morning. He says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Again, God gave Israel the law. The law, according to Galatians 3.24, was a schoolmaster to bring them to Christ. It was meant to show the nation of Israel that they could not keep God's law and it pointed them to the, the prophesied Messiah that was to come. The one who would fulfill the law, the one who would answer the problem of the law and man breaking the law. It was the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. The sinner today is under God's law in the sense that the law is pointing its ugly finger down them. It says, you have broken God's moral law. And the law, doing its job rightly, pushes them to the Savior, pushes them to the cross so that they can find forgiveness. And when you trust and believe in Jesus, friends and family, you are no longer under law, but you are under grace. It's God's economy. It's God's system of dealing with you. It's why God doesn't strike us down when we, when we sin against him. Because he's holy and we're not. It's because he's dealing with us through grace. He's tapping on our shoulder. And he's saying, you need to repent. You need to bring that to my throne of grace. You need to turn away from that. And he's offering you grace. And he draws you in. Grace takes you, verse 17, grace takes you from under the just condemnation of the law into a right relationship with God and sets you free from sin. And your relationship from that day forward is based on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the grace of God. Grace sets you free from the demands of religion and tradition and all the man-made rules, and all the man-made expectations in the religious world. So many people try to earn God's favor, and they think they earn God's favor just by going to church, or just by doing good works, or just reciting some, some creed. But grace says, don't do any of those things. Grace says, trust in Christ. Trust in Christ. And through that trusting in Christ, you will have a real, meaningful, authentic relationship with God. Grace tells us, it says, stop 
trying and start trusting. <laughs> Stop trying and start trusting in Jesus. Live your life by faith in Christ. Live your life depending on the Holy Spirit. Trust in him with all your heart. You know Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Many of us know it's one of, our, one of the most famous verses in all the Old Testament. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And the cool thing about that verse is where? It's in the Old Testament. The Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The law was never meant to bring righteousness. The law was meant to be a schoolmaster. Abraham believed God has credited him as righteousness. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells him, trust in the Lord all your heart. And, this, and the New Testament testifies that our righteousness comes from trusting in Jesus and trusting in the amazing grace of God. Grace enables us to experience the fullness of God's blessing in Jesus. You want to experience God's blessing in your life? Focus your life on grace. Focus your life on grace. Rest in his grace. Believe in his grace. Trust in his grace. And God will lead you to the fullness of his blessing. Again, I want to close with my statement that I opened my message with, which, it, which was the summation of my sermon this morning. And it is this, what I want you to go home with. The treasure of Christmas is grace for you. Christmas is God saying to you, I want to show you my grace. And this is my statement that I created. Regardless of your past failures and your sin, grace will bring you into a saving relationship with God through Jesus. And then as I, as I, as I wrote this statement, I had in mind a person before Jesus, and I also had in mind um, a believer. Because sometimes we forget about grace as Christians, and we get all religious and difficult to deal with. But grace will deliver you from the dominion of sin, and grace will enable you, Christian, to leave the past behind. Grace will empower you to move forward and live a life that is blessed and pleasing to God. Are you trusting in Christ this morning? Are you believing in him? Are you living for his grace? Have you been born again? If you have been born again, then you've experienced God's grace. And now God wants you to walk out of here and live in that grace. Live in that grace, being yielded to the Holy Spirit. Let your life, let the fruit of your life show the grace of God to your spouse, to your family, to your neighbors, to your friends. We love because he first loved us. And we need to be reminded to walk in that grace. If you're here or you're watching online and, and you have not experienced grace or, or you've not been born again, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? How can a person be made right with God? Have you been born again? You need to be born again to experience the grace of God. 
You say, Pastor David, how can I become born again? What did John 1.12 say? To all those who what? Received him. He gave the right to become children of God. You need to be born again. And you're born again by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Saying, God, please forgive me of all my sin. Please come into my life. I place my trust in you. And when you do that, grace will invade your life. That is the treasure of Christmas that God wants us all to know. So here as we close out 2023, let's commit our lives to walking in the grace of God. And let's commit 2024 to sharing the grace of God with this world. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the treasure of Christmas that we've looked at this morning, which is the grace of God. Thank you, Father, for this amazing, awesome truth that you want each of us, that you invite the world to come experience at the cross and, and getting saved. But Father, you also invite us Christians to daily experience your grace and your power. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to walk in your grace. Help us to walk in your power and make it real to us, Lord. Let us love this world with the love of Christ and let us walk in your grace and truth. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for what grace means. Bring it home to our hearts this morning as, as we celebrate your amazing grace. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Amen.